0: With us today, uh, Russ and Lynn Noble. As I was sitting here thinking about uh, Paul listing all of the challenges that he was facing after many years of faithful service, certainly he was recounting that there were many unexpected twists and turns. Uh, there are many challenges and difficulties that he dealt with over those years. And yet he was confident, confident that the word that was planted is the word that is powerful. It changes people's lives. Uh, confident that the church will be built. Uh, that's what Jesus promised. Uh, but it comes at great cost and challenge and difficulty. And Russ and Lynn, as I think about their lives, uh, imagine Russ born and grew up right here in Long Island. When he was, I don't know what stage in his life, ever thought he would. the story of his life would go in the trajectory that it ended up going, uh, actually ended up in Africa, I believe in the 70s, 1977 is... He lands there, he's teaching, uh, he's an educator, he's trained and uh, with biblical education as well. And then how God had sovereignly worked in the life of this young lady, uh, I don't remember her maiden name, but Lynn uh, is born in England and she uh, feels, uh, senses the Holy Spirit's leading her to also pursue ministry there in Africa, in Sudan area and how they met on the field and uh, they were married in 1990, uh, 90, right? And, uh, and you think about sometimes people sit and they feel sorry for themselves and they think, well, I can't do anything because I'm a single person. But here they were both saying, Lord, here I am. Use me. They met each other. And now they've shared their life together in uh, ministry to, at the time was Sudan. Uh, they went through a civil war. Uh, They split off and now have a new nation of South Sudan, but the problems still remain. In many ways, they're more complicated. Uh, There's been a tremendous loss of life among them, loss of of, uh, resources and property, and yet the church remains, and the church desperately needs to take the word that's been translated and to make it known to their people so that they can read it, and that's one of the key links in the chain is here's the word it's translated by the translators and they're the next link to get it into the hands of the everyday person whether children or adults so that they might read and understand the language themselves and then be able to read the word and therefore the church would truly mature and grow and people would come to know Christ as he truly is not just based on their assumptions. So it's a real joy to have Russ and Lynn we're going to come and ask them to share about their ministry and I want to celebrate what God has done in our church for the long partnership we've been able to have for all these years together. It really is a beautiful thing. And I would must say, we don't have popularity tests among our, you know, contests among our, our missionaries and partners in ministry. But you folks, rate right up there pretty high as people who are able just to relate uh, so easily as, as um, uh, who you truly are and your humble ways. And we just want to salute you and give thanks and praise to God for your faithfulness. So we, let's welcome them as they come and share. <laughs>
1: Good morning. good morning. It's nice to be here again. I don't know how many furloughs has been, but uh, it's been a few. And uh, I could just sit and listen to Mark all the time. You guys are really privileged. He's a good pastor. He knows my history. <laughs> yeah, it goes back a long way. Yeah, it's actually only one little thing. 1976, not 77, but uh, this church has been integral. I've said this other times in, in, in my life, and I remember from the Christian Service Brigade program when I was a youngster at uh, First Baptist of Patchogue, going to the Brigade program there and then the interaction with the Brigade program here in this church and knowing the leaders and 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 rubbing shoulders with the young the young uh, brigadiers who were here. Clint Redden was eventually, Clint uh, is a member in this church at one point. His brother Bruce is here. I don't know if he's here today, but uh, Clint and I roomed uh, in college together eventually. And uh, so we've had just many, many close associations. And then in 1976, after having served the Lord uh, on a short-term assignment in Alaska and did more schooling, uh, the Lord led me to, uh, well, I'll talk more about that later, but I went to Africa, and when the time came to seek financial support and from churches on Long Island, they were all churches from the Christian Service Brigade program, four churches uh, that had connection with uh, Boys Brigade uh, carried on their support, this being one church, and so all those 41 years your church has been part of that process. What can I say? Thank you very much. We are very deeply grateful to all of you. Some, some of you have been here longer, some of you shorter, but it's been great always coming back to New Village. We've always enjoyed and, and, uh, and working together with you because you, are, you have always been partners with us. You've been part of the team. We've been far away in Africa, but you have been part of us, praying for us, sending us cards very faithfully, and sharing uh, in the life of the church, year by year by year. And we're thankful to you, uh, and we thank the Lord uh, as well for you. We'd like to show some slides, and we'll work through that. I'll share some, Lynn will share some, and then I'll share at the end again. So I think I need to turn this on. Technology is not something we're too used to. I saw a, 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 a card recently, and there's a picture of a man with a, a mobile phone, and he says, and, and the, the reading on the card says, "Oh, well, excuse me, I think I took another picture of my ear. <laughs> so I feel like that sometimes with all this new technology. There we go. Yeah, there will be a few slides and then followed by a song. Sorry, sorry, David. I think we're. It is on. We test. It. I'll let you know when to advance If we can go to the next slide. Stephen. There we go. There's Africa, big continent, South Sudan. As you see, Lynn and I were, were, were sent, of course, as Mark explained, we both met each other in South Sudan along the Nile River. Serving there now for uh, both of us, uh, Berkeley originally and myself, and then Lynn joined later on for now uh, over 40 years. Yeah. All right, next one.
0: <laughs> this is now a
1: blow up of South Sudan, and we've worked in a number of areas around the country. Sort of like the Apostle Paul, we didn't stay in one place, we moved from place to place. Uh, don't know. Yeah, I first went to South Sudan and lived in this place called Rubek, which is amongst the which is amongst the Dinka tribe. Uh, in Rubek, I taught there for six years, from 1976 until 1983, in the secondary school, and then uh, later on, uh, the civil war started in the country, and I moved to Juba in 1983, and that's when Lynn arrived in South Sudan. So the Lord was ordaining some very interesting uh, dynamics there. <clears throat> we have worked in other areas around the, uh, the, around the country, especially in the southern part. The last 10 years we've been in Torit, uh, involved in the literacy work. Uh, <clears throat> we'll be showing now uh, some series of pictures in and around Torit and other parts of South Sudan. We'd like you to get a, a feel for what life is, is like in the country right now. Uh, not all the pictures are in Torit. There is a civil war, and there are areas, particularly in this part, which are, are very much devastated uh, by, by the civil war. In our area, less so. We've had some banditry and, and uh, difficulties along the roads, but not the severe fighting and some of the pictures that you'll see. So we just hope you get a feel for life. Uh, in, in the land where we live and where, and where we love those people. You get a little bit of a picture of life in uh, in and around torit and throughout the country of south sudan a country with a, a lot of devastation a lot of needs but the lord is also working at the same time and we're just so grateful and and uh pleased to see people coming to know and trust in jesus there our work i think as you're aware if you've read our prayer letters has been involved in literacy helping to develop materials. And you see in the the upper left, the Lopit language committee. Uh, And we've started from scratch together in developing literacy materials in this newly written language. Uh, And so now there's a series of books. There's a table out in the foyer which show samples of those books that have been developed in the last years. Uh, Two men, uh, Samuel and Philip, on the right side have been very uh, strategic in this ministry, and, uh, and they're carrying carrying that ministry out uh, even now. Uh, we ask for your prayers for those two men. It's a lot of work to making books. It uh, you know in in that environment where things take time. There's editing, and then printing, and putting these things together, and then testing, and then re re-typing and putting them together editing and. And so on and on and on. It's a lot of work. And it takes a couple of years to get these series of books done. And then once uh, earlier this last year, when we finished the series of books, then we started with teacher training, uh, the training teachers on how to use the literacy materials in their local language. These were primary school teachers, elementary school teachers, who would then take the materials Uh, there were were a number of books that were printed and uh, they took them back to their schools uh, so that they can teach the children for the first time to learn to read in their own language. This is uh, the one lady teacher that had come to the training. Her name is Josephine. And we're praying that people like Josephine and other teachers uh, will carry on the work of teaching the little children how to read and write as well as adults in their communities. This was a, the first little teacher training course. Uh, Josephine is, is also there, and then some of the other teachers. And we, our hope was that these teachers would go back to their villages uh, and, and uh, train others, and, and pass on what they have learned to other people. This uh, lady here is also an AIM missionary. Her name is Marlene. She's from New Zealand. She's part of the AIM team there in South Sudan. She lives amongst the Lopit people, speaks that language, and she has wonderfully taken on the task of training all the teachers in the Lopit mountains, which involves uh, uh, 25 different primary schools, about 7,000 children who are learning now to read and write in their language. And she's been training their teachers. We're so thank. She's a godsend, and we really thank. Thank the Lord for her. Here's a picture of her in the in a, a, a school area and a training center where she's now training some of the teachers like this. Uh, that our hope is that when the materials are available, that teachers like Philip here, on the on the left, um, are teaching. Adults and children to learn to read for the first time in their language to equip them to reading the scriptures and That's what we want to see people who have never gone to school Especially in the villages learning to read and write for the first time What 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 we we're so excited to see people like these? Uh, a fairy the lady's name is a fairy and she's look she never went to school never knew how to read and write and over the course of time, uh, the teacher Solomon on the left taught her how to, to read and write along with the other ladies. The lady in the blue, her name is Martha, and she read uh, at Christmas time. We got a picture of her just this last Christmas. She stood up in front of the church and read the Christmas story. It was the, the <laughs> what that does to people is just changes their lives, and it's tremendous to see it. So pray for Samuel on the left and for Philip on the right. Those guys are still there. We're gone, but they're still there carrying on the work in those two languages, the the Lopit language and the Atuho language. Of course, this is what we're hoping, that people learn to read, and they are instructed and will know God's word firsthand for themselves. Lynn will come.
2: Good morning, everybody. It's really lovely to be with you. and uh, as Russ has said, you know we're just so thankful for you and for your years of support for us particularly. And then taking me on board later, a little English lady stepping in here. But, uh, was, you know, it's just been uh, thrilling to me to be a part of his ministry and coming here to your country, which I actually had never been to before 1992 when I first came with Russ. And it was just so warm and welcoming and it has never stopped. And I'm just so thankful for you all and to God for your lives in the Lord Jesus. And... um When I went back to Sudan, this time with South Sudan, um, my uh, briefing was to help um, women leaders to develop their Christian lives and to grow uh, in their lives as Christians. And um, my feelings were that I could help them by helping those women who couldn't, uh, didn't know how to read, to learn to read a language called Juba Arabic. It's a a market language um, which is used in the towns very much across the, the tribes. And it um, is used for preaching in, for talking in the market, for um, speaking at home between the children in the streets. It's used very widely. And uh, I thought I was going to have to do what Russ did and make up a book to help to teach uh, the ladies. But, you know, God amazed me in how he went ahead and had prepared all these things already there was a book prepared by another missionary from another mission uh, in another part of South Sudan. And so it was that book that I took uh, to use. Looks like this. It's Arabic, but it is in the script of the, the British uh, English sort of uh, script. It's not in the Arabic of the um, Arab world there. And uh, this, we started off with a class, and Andrea is from Canada. Uh, She is a young mother. She has three children who she'd been homeschooling, and uh, she had a heart too, to come and and be a part of this work. And I'm just so thankful for the Lord uh, leading uh, Andrea uh, to to this work, and uh, she knows the language very well as well. But after a while, I found that it wasn't the class situation that was working. I had to go to the houses or have the women come to me individually because their lives are so full of different types of work to do, uh, which burden them, which constrain their time. And so we, I fitted into their timetable for their lives. And uh, gradually, um, they learned to... The, I was only three, actually, in the end... Uh, Angela, who is a pastor's wife, she didn't know how to read this language, and I taught her within a few months. She learned quite quickly. Betty had never been to school, and she took a, 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 almost a year to two years to learn. Um, but she was so thrilled that she could particularly write her name. She had never learned how to do that before, and that was something that was so significant and as we say, empowering for her. She was not afraid. She had gained confidence in life to be able to take that step to do something else. There she is. And then there was Mary. Mary actually headed up all the women uh, in the churches that we were working with. And uh, she has a, a... Let me just tell you her story. She grew up in the north of Sudan, and uh, in a very poor family. She knew what it was like to go to bed hungry. She wanted so much to go to school, but her mother said, no, there's no money, there's no way. She had to go out to serve, to work in some ways. But uh, she got married when she was 16 years old, and she had children, she had four children. But in her heart, she said that there was an emptiness, there was a lack of peace. And one day she was at her home, and she heard women singing in the street outside walking past her house, and she listened to the words, and somehow those words really touched her heart. They were singing in Arabic, I am running to Jesus, I am running to Jesus. And she went out and followed those women to the church where they, well, to where they were going, which was a church. And uh, it was there that through speaking to the pastor and staying with the women and with the people in the church, she eventually gave her heart to the Lord and became a Christian and uh, she's noticed that there were people um, reading a book and she wanted to read that book as well and so she prayed that God would show her somebody who could teach her how to read in the Northern Arabic. Now the Northern Arabic script I can't read but that of course goes the opposite direction to the writing that we have. And she learned to read this. Now in time her husband died and she moved back to the south of Sudan and she found that she couldn't read the writing that was in the the English script. And it was that that I would go along each week to teach her how to to do that and how to write it. And she was really uh, very, very thrilled at the end that she could particularly write it. And she started writing me letters in this language. And uh, in one of them she confessed that she actually had a problem with anger. Uh, in her work and she was really seeking the Lord's help Uh, and that was not something that was spoken but it came out in the letter so it was interesting uh, how she could express herself and that particular um, problem in her life. We prayed about it and pointed her to scripture and she was encouraged and went on uh, in her work as a leader of the women. I'm just so thrilled too that God had gone ahead and prepared Andrea and Andy now is leading this work uh, with the women and teaching others how to read in this language. Uh, This is Pastor William. Uh, His problem was he, he was blind and for a blind person in South Sudan there is virtually nothing that is done for them. In fact, they're even encouraged to commit suicide because they're no use within the family. Many disabled people uh, just devalued so much, they had no value in life. Um, But this, uh, uh, William had quite an extraordinary story, which I'll tell to you perhaps in your cell groups and your groups another time, but uh, um, I introduced him to uh, Braille, the the way to read, uh, using the raised dots, uh, the six raised dots, and uh, he kind of Edged along with it, first of all. But then I said, would you like to go to school to learn this? And uh, I heard that there was a school in Juba, 90 miles away, along a dirty track. Um, and that's where he learnt the Braille language, using the frame that's there and the pebbles and the, the different patterns for the the letters of the alphabet that are in Braille. And then he learnt how to read. And he was very happy with this. You know, it really extends a person's um, uh, confidence and dignity to be able to do things like this uh... having all the years just ha- having to rely on somebody else to read to him now he could read scripture for himself and he was so thrilled with this that he actually says he wants now to start a school interate for the blind and he uh, he got this certificate from the ministry of education to say that he's got permission to do that no money but he's got permission to do that um. Uh, another work that I was kind of involved in was kind of helping to encourage the women in their meetings. Uh, they called them uh, uh, new Want to Cover Our quest, which is Women of Good News. You know, it's a wonderful title, isn't it, for a women's group, Women of Good News. Um, and they would meet, we tried to get them to meet twice a month. Um, uh, singing from this is a Juba Arabic book, and uh, reading the Bible, And prayer is a very significant time. They have fasting and prayer as well. And these were very meaningful times. The women really poured out their hearts with the war situation that was going on. You know, it just gets so deep to you. It's like that song we were singing. How long, Lord, can we go on suffering this? You know, you you just pour yourself out. And these women poured themselves out in these um, prayer and fasting times. But they also receive great joy. Isn't it? Isn't it you know, just amazing how God works through the terrible things in life to actually redeem them into something that's joyful and good. We also had cups of, to drink at the end, tea or porridge, and uh, something a bit like a, a Dunkin' Donut, but it's a, called a mandazi, <laughs> and it's uh, just as fattening. <laughs> Sometimes getting to these meetings could be difficult. The cars, you know, might get stuck in that. There's no tarmac in this area, so the roads are very muddy in the wet season, and sometimes we have this problem. But we managed to fit in a lot of ladies. We had a little Suzuki, and uh, it's not a a big car, but we managed to get eight women in there. (laughs) Two ladies in the very back. I don't know if you can see them. And I just want to talk about one there, the lady with the pink scarf on. This is Fatima. And Fatima was a Muslim lady. And last year I sat next to her her at a funeral. And she told me her story that um, previously she had become very, very sick. And she was, um, for four days, she was not able to eat or stand or get up or do anything. And then she heard this voice saying, gum, gum. And that in this Arabic means, rise, get up. And she said, who is that? Who are you speaking to me? And the voice said, Yesu, Yesu, Jesus. And she got up and she saw a bright light and she was healed. And she went to the church and she became a Christian because she heard about the real things about Jesus. And she is today a very vibrant Christian woman. And I said to her, well, how does the Lord talk to you today now? And she said, through dreams. I said, well, would you like to learn to read so God can speak to you through his word as well? And she said, and she just smiled. She smiled. We haven't gone any further on that. But, you know, you just plant seeds in people's lives in those areas. But this was how God had reached into her life and that was so encouraging to me at this time of war when there was so much of discouragement going around us and these are four of the toposa boys that um, some of you might uh, remember that we have been helping and encouraging through school Uh, they now are into secondary school, high school and uh, I'm just so thrilled that there's another missionary called Troy, he's a vet veterinary surgeon and he just has come with his wife and his family to South Sudan and God has spoken into his heart to be uh, somebody to work with the Toposa people and uh, one of these young men, oh here we are, Saturday mornings we used to have a breakfast together and a Bible study and they came along sometimes to help Russ with the books as well. And and this is Aliyah, Aliyah is one of the most special people I think I've ever met in South Sudan. He is just an extraordinary Christian young man, uh, one of the toposa young men who is always uh, testifying to his faith amongst the people around him. And going out, he's actually in his village started a a small church as well in a very uh, animistic area. so Elia as well, and I uh, hope maybe in the, the house groups that we can perhaps talk a bit more about these people's lives, which is so encouraging, I find. But that's uh, the church that we attended. They're waving to you and uh, saying goodbye to us, and uh, thank you so much for all your help to them over the, the years there. What's the next one? Oh. so there's the thank you. Uh, and pray for us. So, shukran, <laughs> shukran khalis nas kulu. Uh, selina Nina, uh, pray for us.
1: Okay, Nina. Okay. I think you get a glimpse of why I married her. A very wonderful wife. I'm sure every husband says that. Yeah, I'd just like to spend the last few minutes, if we may, to just talk a little bit about perseverance. Ooh, that's not a word we like, but it's a word that's necessary, and we've all experienced it, and we've experienced it on the mission field, and we experience it in Lake Grove as well, that we all must have perseverance in our lives. The Bible talks about it. And uh, <clears throat> the reason why I wanted to share on that topic, just, just for about ten minutes or so, is that someone asked me the question of a colleague of mine, a missionary colleague, back in March, no, in May last year. And she says, uh, Russ, you and Lynn have been in you know South Sudan such a long time. Um, what made you persevere? What helped you to persevere all those years? And so I had to think, this was at, a, at a, a conference, a mission conference, and they wanted me to share about that a bit. So, of course, I had to think about it, you know, a little more deeply than just off the top of the head. And uh, I came up with five, when I thought about it, I came up with five things um, about perseverance. Now, we have that word, perseverance, it's a very, very difficult word that all of us must encounter in our lives. And um, the first thought that came to me is a quote. There's, a, there's a, an 18th century um, <clears throat> pastor from England, renowned, named Charles Spurgeon. And he was quoted as saying in one of his sermons, people will come. Did that turn off? There's one more slide up. There was a quote from, can we get that one? All right. Anyway, it'll pop up in a minute. It says, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Wonderful quote. Yeah. Is there it? Yeah. Charles Spurgeon said that in, in the 1880s, I think it was. Uh, by perseverance the snail reached the ark. And I always, I, I came across that quote quite some time ago. And I've, I've loved that quote. I think it's, it's so true. And I've thought about how that relates to me in my life and, and all these years, these decade, four decades or so in South Sudan. And I've thought about, all right, how do you answer that question, perseverance? How do you persevere in a country like a third world country like South Sudan, which has seen all sorts of devastation and difficulties. And the first reason that helped me right from the start, as I thought about it, was that I had a very clear calling from God. I had confidence of a very clear call right from the beginning. Here I was living on Long Island, grew up in East Islip, and went to, was a Christian I accepted the Lord when I was 10 years old, grew up in church, and the Lord was leading, speaking to me in my lives uh, of missions and of Christian things. I didn't know exactly what would happen. But when the time came uh, in 1974, I had finished college. I was at that stage of life, what's next, Lord? What kind of work will I be involved in? And so on, that <clears throat> very specific letter Uh, Was given to was sent to a friend of mine, and I was happened to be visiting him at Wheaton College, in uh, Illinois, and this letter specifically stated that they needed the mission field, in Africa, in the country of Sudan, needed geography teachers, in their high schools. Well, that sounds interesting, but every single one of those adjectives going to the country of South Sudan, being a a geography teacher, and serving the Lord in the mission field. All of those uh, dominoes, if you like, matched me. It was a very specific call. And I knew that that was the Lord speaking to me through this letter sent to a friend. In Proverbs, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And so here I was, a young man, not married, no gray hair, just open to the Lord's leading. And he led very specifically so that over the years, when there were hard times, when there were difficult times, and there were, that I could look back and say, Lord, I know that you want me in this place. This is where you called me. So the first first thing that I always look back on, on perseverance, Was that clear calling and direction from God? No other alternative for me. That was what God wanted for me. Secondly, there was this uh, what helped me over the years was a dependency on my Sudanese brothers and sisters, going to them for advice. They were the experts in many things. When I needed help, when I needed guidance, especially on security issues, and things where I didn't know the answer, I could turn to my brothers and sisters and ask them, can you help me? Can you advise me what to do? Can we pray together? And so that was really a godsend to have Sudanese colleagues and friends whom I could trust and be close enough to to ask for guidance and advice. That helped me along to persevere in those years. Then, of course, needless to say, and I'm not just saying this because I've served the Lord as a missionary, or it's a good Christian thing to say, certainly God's word had its role uh, as I meditated and read God's word and depended on God's guidance uh, through the scriptures day by day, uh, reading it, That, that Bible reading and meditation certainly helped me in that perseverance over the years, and I'm sure that would be the same for all of us when we have those hard times, those difficult times, the comfort we can get from God's word and the assurance that he's with us is a great help to us to persevere. Another thing for me that was very helpful was seeing or having the joy of seeing fruit in ministry. For those early years, I was a school teacher. And to see eventually some of those school uh, young men, they really were. It was secondary school. Some of the students were older than I was. I first went when I was 24 years old. Some of my students were 35, 40 years old in secondary school because they had not had the opportunity to go to school before that or at least they, with the Civil War had missed out opportunities. So I was ministering and working with people older than I was in those earlier years, but to see students and then later on teachers as we were training them move on in their lives in the Lord. And some became pastors, some became one young man in a local church that we were involved with in Juba, both Lynn and I, is now the speaker of the parliament in the country. What a significant role that some of these people have. And you never realize it when these, you know, these young people are just school students in secondary school and then later on they move into these other positions it's tremendous to see that and it's an honor and so that and then later on when we got into literacy work developing materials realizing people need to know how to read they've never read before they the especially women and to help them to finally be able to pick up a book or pick up a piece of paper, or write their own name. That is so significant for those people. And we, see, and we were seeing people learning and being successful. We take things for granted oftentimes, because we go all go to school. We've all had books since we were two years old. But for people in South Sudan, it's, in many cases, non-existent. They've not seen a book in, in the villages. And, and for them, a real privilege to be able to learn to read and write, and, and also to eventually to hold up God's word, like you saw some of those women in the pictures there. And so seeing that kind of fruit, seeing the success, if you like, which is encouraging to us, but seeing people's lives changed, that helped us to persevere over the years. And then lastly, I would say the, <coughs> the, the other part of encouragement to, to me for perseverance in these years was this uh, mutual relationship and the, uh, with people on the ground, rubbing shoulders with people. And we can do that, of course, in our churches and in our communities, wherever we are, getting close to people, being with them, <laughs> trusting them, and identifying with them, and comforting one another in those hard times. And so for me, there was, in the, over these course of years, when there were difficult situations, whether we were, for example, crawling into a pit in the ground when the bomber planes were flying over, dropping their bombs, together with the Sudanese, or if <clears throat> times when, uh, in 1990, 91, when Lynn and I lost our twins, and So identifying with what happens to our Sudanese brothers and sisters, or undergoing the, oftentimes the stresses of war and the insecurity month by month, week by week, this is what our brothers and sisters in South Sudan have been experiencing, and we were rubbing shoulders with them. And so that helped us that those hard times, those stressful times, also helped us in many ways because we were identifying ourselves with them, and they identified themselves with us. We knew where, to some degree at least, where they were coming from. In Second Corinthians, it, uh, Paul writes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We remember a time, and both Lynn and I, when we were one time, we were at training teachers in the 1990s uh, in the midst of the Civil War. We were in the middle of the country, not far from the Nile River. And we were, as I we say, we were training teachers. And one day, the bomber planes came flying over the Arab planes from the north. This was the Civil War time. And we, uh, <clears throat> when that happened, when we could hear the planes coming, we'd all, although we were training 40 teachers, we'd all go running. And we, we knew different places to run, just little shallow holes in the ground to protect ourselves as best we could. And so Lynn and I went running to one hole. Uh, for this protection. It was just a a tiny little shallow pit. And there was a woman who also ran into the same hole as the plane was flying over. And a few minutes later, we could hear the the bombs whistling down uh, and crashing into the ground. But before they actually hit, the woman turned to us, and we "We were praying. (laughs) You pray at times like that, you know. It's, uh, as we were in the group earlier, it was an SOS prayer. It was a spontaneous prayer. Lord, those bombs are dropping, you know, we're trusting in you and we're hoping in you. But the lady sitting next to us said, "Rabuna fi, rabuna fi, the Lord is with us. How encouraging that was to both Lynn and I at that time. She was comforting us in the midst of that real struggle in our lives. Cast all your cares on the Lord, because he cares for us. So those kinds of examples, those things, the clear call from God, the the dependency on our colleagues, our African colleagues, and missionary colleagues as well, the fruit that we had in the ministry that we saw over the years, God's word and prayer, And and then the encouragement and the identification with our Sudanese brothers and sisters, all those helped us to persevere. And I think probably those sorts of things uh, relate to us to some degree or another. As God's people, we will all undergo difficulties. We will all need to persevere in our lives. The scriptures tell us that we will. And so I give testimony, and Lynn would also give testimony, to God's faithfulness to us, that he supports us. We sung about it this morning in those wonderful songs that we sang. And we thank you for your support in prayer, for upholding us to our almighty God in helping us during these years. We just praise God for you, and we praise God for the ministry that we have. Someday, Lynn and I would like to go back for visits, for a month at a time, do some training of teachers, help with the literacy development of materials in the, in the future. We live in a world now where a computer can can be working here in America and helping, helping with uh, work in Africa at the same time. And so we'd like to do those sorts of things uh, from a distance and even on the ground in future. So pray for us as we go into a new phase of life of of uh, retiring, we we plan to retire in England, uh, and we're that's that's our plan. But it's we make our plans, and it's Lord the Lord who directs our steps, as Proverbs 16 says. And so we're putting our lives into His hands in this new step in our lives. May I ask that Pastor Mark and Joyce, if you would come both come up, we'd like to present something small to you. And uh, not only to you, but to the whole, to all of you, to the church here. And we'll wait for my good wife to come too. <laughs> oh, you're going to get? You'd like to take a picture? All right, that's fine. We have a, a little uh, gift that uh, we would like to give to you as a church, uh, as a, a as a remembrance uh, of your faithfulness to us and of the ministry that we had undergone these years before. So thank you very much for your support for us. We hope that this will be something that will remind you of of, of the work that we've been involved with. Wow, (laughs)
2: Christmas continues. Oh, cool. All kinds of pictures. I can't read that back.
0: And listed listed on the pictures, it has uh, various dates and uh, the significance of Russ's teaching. He's evacuated. He, Lynn arrives in 1989. Russ's involved in teacher training. Uh, they're married in 1990. Just a list of their significant dates, I guess, of the big events of their life. And so we thank you so much. What a thoughtful gift and a very one we cherish and uh, appreciate that so much. And then a a very nice card. It has a rhinoceros uh, made of different uh, thinly sliced pieces of wood, it looks like, um, and a very handmade, uh, very clever card. It says, um, to all our dear friends at New Village Church, as we say a very big thank you to you all uh, for your loving and gracious support toward us for the 41 years we've served the Lord in South Sudan. It is our prayer for you all as follows. And then a quote from 2 Corinthians 9. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. With all our love to you all, because of Jesus, Russ and Lynn Noble. How we thank you so much. That thank is just you wonderful. So thank, thank you. Me. Did my wife have a comment she wanted to make at this point? <laughs> um, again, I would just want to affirm in Russ and Lynn, they just understand what it means to connect to people. And those are just gestures that affirm that, that idea that we see in them, that they just, no wonder they have such bonds uh, with us and with those who know them. I want to make one final comment that uh, the Lord has just impressed upon my heart, and it, the Lord led me to have us read Second Timothy chapter 4, um, thinking about this, this principle of perseverance. Um, we all need to hear this. Uh, life is hard. Ministry is hard. Marriage is hard. Um, being a single person in our culture is hard. Uh, it's difficult in many different areas, and, and so the the... the The false gospel of the health of wealth gospel says we expect God to make life easy, to heal us, to make us wealthy, to make everything go well in our life. And that's not the true gospel. The gospel is God is gracious to us. He has done for us what we don't deserve so that we might rejoice in him, take risks in him, and persevere because of him, because of all that lies before us. It's not in this world now. It's in the world to come. And so Paul says... Uh, People abandoned him and he says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me, the proclamation uh, that might be fully accomplished that all the Gentiles might hear. I'm thinking how many of those people we saw on this screen, how many of their lives would have been touched had Russ and Lynn not left where they were and made a point to go and enter into the world of these people? Um, He says, I was delivered out of the lion's mouth and the Lord will deliver me from every evil deed. Will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. So I just say that their challenge is a challenge to us. We need to keep thinking how do I enter and position my life to enter into the life of unbelievers around me that I might make an eternal difference in their lives and bring Christ and the good news of the gospel into their lives and not give up because it is difficult. Oftentimes they look at you like you're crazy, they don't really seem too interested. And yet there is uh, clear evidence that God does work faithfully in his time. All right, let's stand and uh, we're going to just uh, close the service out here, I think. Uh, we're not even sing again, sorry. Let's just kind of stand. And uh, I'd like to see if we could sing the uh, doxology, uh, maybe uh, um, sing it a cappella. And let's just say again, all that the Lord has done through Russ and Lynn and through us and through all these other churches that have partnered, we give all glory to him. What he's doing in South Sudan, we give all glory to him. And we give glory to God for those who are uh, serving him, who are blind and can't read the word but are with their eyes, but they're reading with their fingers, those who are still learning to read. We just give glory to God for what he's doing. And so let's sing together. finish here I'd like to conclude in prayer. I'm going to pray over the meal that we're going to just start eating right downstairs. you don't need to wait around. don't stand here for 40 minutes and talk go downstairs and talk and over over lunch. sit with somebody you don't know might be a good idea and also Russ and Lynn, would you folks make your way back maybe to the door and you could be available to greet people and I'm going to put this on the table that's uh, set up right by the door here so that you can look at this the, f- the pictures are fascinating from all of these significant steps in their lives. And again, we praise God for his faithfulness. He truly is good. All right, let's pray. Father, in this day in which we look over our shoulder, we see that you have been working in ways, Lord, that none of us will ever fully be able to see or discern. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the word of God that never, ever perishes. It is eternal It is that which is living. It is powerful. It is changing lives. We thank you for the way you changed uh, the hearts of Russ and Lynn. We thank you for the way in which they surrendered to you, for the way in which they followed your call, for your joining of them together in marriage, for the ability to persevere even when they lost their twins, for their joy and service, for their perseverance among danger and fighting and wars and poverty, and all for all different forms of suffering, for illiteracy. How we thank you, Lord, that you have used them to be in refreshment, to bring the good news, to bring the joy of Christ into the lives of so many of these dear, beloved sisters and brothers. Someday we'll be in heaven with them. And so, Lord, we give you all praise today. We give you glory. We thank you that, uh, Lord, um, all this does not happen in one day. It doesn't happen easily. But with your grace, Lord, we all can persevere because even Jesus went through tremendous suffering for us, but he had a joy that was lying before him. And so help us, Lord, to take these issues to heart and now bless this food and our lunch that we will share together. Thank you for those who have served and made the soup and provided all of the the different parts of the meal for us. May our time of fellowship be sweet together as we celebrate you and what you have done. To you be the glory forever and ever, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.